The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? <laughs> no, I can't. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to the races, and he stays on his feet. This is going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. It's a three for Tuesday. Doesn't have the same ring as a two for Tuesday, but... Three episodes today. If you're listening, you're hearing this on Wednesday morning. You hopefully heard our bonus podcast, Dave and I breaking down the Chris Godwin and Julio Jones news for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now you're going to hear about that from Jamie Eisenberg and Dan Schneier. But the main, uh, the crux of today's show is non-PPR, half PPR, full PPR, super flex leagues, uh, three receiver versus two receiver, four point versus six point, salary cap leagues, fab leagues, all these different types of fantasy football formats out there. How do things change in different formats? We are going to discuss that on today's show. Thank you all for being here today, and thank you to Jamie and Dan for uh, carving out some time tonight. Appreciate that, guys. All right, Jamie, you were not on the bonus podcast, so give me your your reaction. A few hours out from the news of Chris Godwin being cleared for training camp and Julio Jones going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on a one-year deal. What do you got? Obviously great for Godwin that he's not on the pup list, which gives you optimism, uh, gives me optimism that he should be ready to go for week one. He may not be the same Chris Godwin as he's working his way back from this, only seven months removed from the ACL tear, but clearly he is trending in the right direction, which is awesome. Julio Jones signing, I don't think is going to have too much of an impact on those top two guys, Mike Evans and Godwin, but it's going to be an impact. It's certainly going to be an impact to Russell Gage. Godwin's return is certainly an impact to Russell Gage. So Gage goes from somebody, in my mind, that was a borderline number three receiver, somebody that you could potentially draft as a starter to open the season, to now more of a number four option. And hopefully he will be better than Julio. Julio is fourth on the depth chart for me, fantasy-wise. But I think you could consider him a potential number three receiver. If he's anything close to form, anything close to his 2019 season, or obviously of his heyday in Atlanta, my God, is he going to shatter ADP? He's going to ruin everybody else there in, in Tampa Bay. And could be uh, what we saw at times when Antonio Brown was the best receiver in Tampa Bay, the best receiver for the Buccaneers. Obviously, it's great news for, uh, for Tom Brady to add another quality weapon, you know, a guy that he can, uh, I hope, trust. Uh, so, you know, easy top 10 quarterback, certainly top five upside. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's just you know, they're playing Madden. They're just taking whoever they want and putting it on the roster and, you know, continues to work out for them offensively. Okay, so I did this with Dave. Um, let's go through the draft with these four wide receivers and with Tom Brady. And you both, Dan Schneier is here as well. You can follow him at Dan Schneier NFL, at Dan S-C-H-N-E-I-E-R NFL. There's a ton of vowels in there. <laughs> but uh, let's, let's, uh, let's get, all right, who's the first Buccaneers wide receiver drafted? Is it still Evans or would you change to Godwin? Still Evans for me. Same. As okay. of now. 
And does he move down to, to is he round three guy now? Because he's never, you know, he's not a PPR stud. He's, he's a very reliable PPR guy, almost a guarantee to be top 15, but not typically making your top five or anything like that. So is he a format-specific guy? Like when, when would you take Mike Evans? So I always thought, and I'm curious to get Jamie's take on this, I always thought he was going a little bit higher than he should have before the Godwin news because of exactly what you said, Adam. I didn't think the offense was going to all of a sudden revolve around him as a major target PPR type of guy. I still think he's playing a similar role within the offense, no matter who's really around him. So with that said, I would still typically rather have him around that round two, three turn, even a little bit into round three. I know that's a little bit, I guess, bearish on him, but ultimately for me, what you said, Adam is true. Not only does he not have a huge history of massive of a massive role from a target standpoint, does have a little bit of an injury history. It's not it hasn't been recent recency bias wise. It hasn't been popping up lately, but he's still the first Bucks receiver for me off the board. But I, I wouldn't take him in round two where he's going right now. I would agree. Um, you know, I I have a tough time with the group of Debo Samuel, AJ Brown, Same. Kyrie Kill, and I'll throw Michael Pittman and and DJ Moore in that group. And Mike Evans was clearly ahead of them prior to this. And now he's, he's in that jumbled mix. So uh, I can't believe what I'm about to say, but I would draft in PPR Michael Pittman ahead of Mike Evans. Yeah, me too. Um, I don't think <laughs> I'm me. going to, he's still early round three, but he's, he's now gone from late round two to early round three. Okay. Um, and when would you take Chris Godwin? Godwin was a guy that I was looking at in round five prior to this news. And so now I will actually move him up into the round four range. So he was, uh, I think, wide receiver 23 for me. I'll probably move him up three or four spots. So, you know, 1920. Uh, as reports continue to come out that are positive, he will get closer to 15. And I would not be surprised if we get to the last week of camp, last week of the preseason before, you know, when a lot of our drafts are happening, if I do move Godwin ahead of Evans. Because in PPR, as we've seen, that's the spot that Tom Brady tends to favor, the slot receiver. He was awesome last year. I think he'll be awesome once again. And so, you know, Adam, you and I were texting about this earlier, and, and obviously I was joking when I, when I said to you about now Evans and Godwin are ruined um, by this signing. Uh, but I wasn't joking when I said Tom Brady's going to throw to the open guy. You know, yeah. and, and he's, he proved that last year with Evans. Um, but Godwin was kind of, I think, a little bit, you know, coverage averse to, to an extent you know, because of where he lines up and the routes that he runs. So if Godwin shows that there's no effects of this ACL tear whatsoever and, and the fact that he's not on the pop list clearly gives you an indication that he's heading that way, uh, I would take Godwin over Evans at PPR if we get to that point where it looks like that's the case. And one thing that really stands out to me, I'm curious to get your guys' take on this as well, is just how this shapes up the entire Bucks wide receiver core, schematically speaking. Like classic Julio Jones back in the days where he was in his prime running 4-4 flat, he was an ex-receiver, but... At this stage of his career where Julio Jones is at, he's honestly almost more effective as a big slot. And I'm not so sure they signed him to be the X because that's a position that Mike Evans has played for them at times. And you move him over to the Z, it's possible he can play on the other side of the formation on the outside. I get it. But maybe they're looking at it like, well, look, we did this with Antonio Brown last year. He was able to win on the outside still as a vertical threat. In that case, then yes, I'm very high on Godwin. But I'm definitely a little concerned. I want to watch this in camp. Like, will they start to transition Julio Jones to slot? Cause Godwin at Penn state, he can play on the outside. This is not something he can't do. And he's done it a little bit with the bucks as well. Cause that will change my whole kind of perception of this offense. If Julio Jones is, was signed to play big slot at this stage of his career, which I'm not, I'm not saying is the case, but it's something I'm looking out for. 
Uh, I will also say that if Julio Jones is as good as Antonio Brown, and I, and I said this on the bonus pod, so I won't get too far into it, but I know you might scoff at that, but last year Antonio Brown was 33 years old and he finished as a top 12 receiver per game. In fact, the Bucks had three top 12 receivers per game last year in full PPR. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, well, he did come in with some rapport with Brady, right? Not not a huge rapport, but some. Yeah, where well, they played one game together. Yeah. Uh, and physically better. Together. Yeah, right. Yeah, That's the difference. Physically as, much as Dave better. said, you know, Dave pointed that out. Yeah. That Brown wasn't dealing with a bunch of injuries. But I think before he got to the Bucks in 2020, nobody expected him to have the impact that he had. No. And, and he was right. a steal, even, I don't know, maybe in the eighth-ish round of drafts in, 20, in 2021. And in the, the first five, the first six games of the season, Brown missed one of them. Um, but so that means they played five games together, the three of them. Uh, Gronkowski played the first. Gronkowski played in only two of those games, but there were five games at the start of the season that all three, Brown, Evans, and Godwin played, and the targets were 39 for Godwin, 39 for Evans, 42 for Brown. He had the most targets, barely, and he may have been the most productive in those five games. I didn't have a chance to do that, but, you know, he he could. Julio Jones, if he gets back to form, you said 2019. Look at 2020. He was amazing in his last. He only played 11 games, I think, but he was incredible. Had a career season, I some respects, like on a per-target basis with Atlanta. And I did see that. I mean, Antonio Brown really did affect Chris Godwin's targets for sure. Not as much Mike Evans as he wasn't a heavily targeted guy for much of the year. Uh, he just caught a ton of touchdowns. But it's not out of the realm of possibility that Julio Jones bounces back. Um and he could he could take from them. So and then just you know, by the time we get to November, Gronk will be back too. So yeah. <laughs> just think about what Jamie said at the top of this, because it's so true. Tom Brady will throw to the open receiver. That's why there is value in a player like Julio Jones. That's why I was drafting Russell Gage before yep. all this news as well. So that I mean, that's the key here. And we, I think that does impact like yeah, a lot Gage, of hype for Gage is clearly the biggest loser. Yeah, you now know, he, yes. He had so much potential if Godwin's gonna miss so the start much. of the season before Julio Jones. And he still might be good. I don't want to rule it out. He still might be good. But, man, the path to production has just, like, been closed. It's like uh, the, 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 there's a detour, and yeah, you got to yeah, find yeah. a detour quick. And they paid him, too. That's the interesting part. The way they did, they really just, like you said, Jamie, it's like a Madden thing. They're just adding as many bodies as they can to this group. So, finally, guys, when would you draft Julio Jones and Russell Gage? And who would you take first? I'm still going to lean Gage first now. But they're almost going to be like back to back. And I would say probably the earliest, you know, with the anticipation of Godwin being healthy, I would say probably round nine, round 10 for both. I'm going to be more bullish on Jones just because I believe in the value of replacement value. So even if he gets hurt, I'm fine with just scooping somebody from the wire. You're not losing too much if you're drafting him. Agreed with Jamie, though, no higher than like round nine or 10. But he's definitely now moved ahead of gauge for me, unfortunately, because I do have a lot of gauge shares from the early drafts. Yeah, I took a lot of Julio Jones in the mock drafts and nice. I got ripped for it every time. Why didn't you take Will Fuller? <laughs> You're going to take one of those guys. And so, unfortunately, who ripped you? Who ripped well, you? Hey, and who, and a, who lot of J- a lot kind of Jamie. Of a lot of Jamie. No hey, one talks. Listen. Jamie's never spoken in that voice ever <laughs> in his life. Listen, Julio signed with the, with the Bucks. They just put Sammy Watkins on uh, uh, whatever uh, list yeah. it was. What if, what if we get Will Fuller to the Packers? Packers just don't make any of these moves, though. Like, what? If, we've been saying that for like 17 different veteran receivers they should have added the last two years. I don't know why. They just won't do well, it. Well, now they might have a reason. They added yeah. Sammy Watkins. So. Sure, they did add Sammy Watkins. All right. Now, the format show begins. And we actually have a lot more news to get to as well. A lot of players. Like Leonard Fournette's lost weight. Day. That's good. 
Super busy. It was a busy day, yeah. Um, what is your favorite format? Schneier has been like drooling to come on this show and talk for him. He loves this. He loves this. So <laughs> what's your favorite format? Well, I love one specific format. I wasn't drooling to come on and speak every format. I'm drooling to come on and speak about auction salary cap drafts, which to me are when you play Madden on all pro versus the snakes, which I believe are Madden on rookie, to be completely honest. <laughs> with the auction drafts, it's kind of the same deal every time I talk to anyone who I've convinced to do it with their home league. They try it. It takes a while for them to try it. But once they try it, they never even consider going back to Snake. Because think about it. From an auction, from the standpoint of just the format of both, right? With a Snake, if you have draw the seventh pick, you have no, let's say you love Christian McCaffrey, or not even Christian McCaffrey, Jonathan Taylor. You think he's going to be 200 points higher than any player. You have no chance to get him. And you're so pigeonholed <laughs> into drafting certain players at certain spots based on ADP or reaching, quote unquote. In the auction, you can do whatever you want. You can go studs and duds. You can pour a lot of your budget into a specific position. Like, let's say you're in a PPR league and go heavy on wide receiver tight end. You can wait on quarterback and getting to fun situations there where you don't have to pay a lot for a quarterback because everyone's filled their quarterback slot already. There's a lot of different unique things about an auction that I like, but very few of those apply to snake drafts. So that's my case for auction. I really hope everyone gives it a shot. And there's no better live draft experience than an auction. You get someone that's a good friend of yours to do the auctioneering. Everyone has a great time of it. Yeah, Jamie will do the voice. Oh, who's up next now? It's Mike <laughs> Evans, see? Uh, we're when did, salary. When, we're, did Jamie, we, when did Jamie get this voice? Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. This is a new thing. We, uh, we, we're a it's salary all, cap. Time, uh, newspaper guy. Yeah, see? Yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> Uh, Are you really calling extra, Jamie old? Read all about it. No, anyway, uh, we're calling them salary. We call them salary cap now. It's so it used to be called right. auctions. Now we call them salary cap leagues. So they are super fun. They do take a long time. I think that's the only drawback. Uh, but um, yeah, they're they're Although awesome. It has changed though. Like we have we have the technology where we could do salary cap drafts. I don't know how you want to phrase it, but salary cap leagues um, on the site. You know, and so it makes it much quicker. Yeah, it's not as much. They're fun. longer. They're longer than. Oh, they're definitely longer than snake, snake drafts, but it, it's it certainly gives you the ability, you know, as Dan said, there there's there is no more fun draft, and again, I'll use that in quotes, draft experience than doing a live salary cap league. Um, especially if you have a live auctioneer. Um, but my goodness, if you uh if you still like the the format, you could you could still get away with it. Yeah, for sure. Uh Jamie, what's your favorite format? Um, I guess my favorite one would be, you know, Superflex. PPR three receivers, you know, it's, it's not that, that trendy anymore. Um, used to be, but I, I think, you know, there are so many good quarterbacks and, you know, like I, I tease Adam a lot, obviously when he takes two in our, you know, one QB leagues where <laughs> nobody else for the most part is taking, maybe one other person is taking two quarterbacks. And so Adam does it because, Hey, I'm getting the best player available. Look at me. I'm so special. Yeah, it is. Um, I'm getting, I'm so special. Uh, see, but it, it, it's a mock draft and it doesn't really matter. Um, in a super flex league, they do matter. And, um, I did a, a, a segment today, which, you know, I, I know you guys will be interested in because it's Daniel Jones with, uh, Emery hunt today on CBS sports HQ. And we were going over a few player over unders and, uh, Emery is, uh, not the biggest fan of Daniel Jones. Way and, down on Jones. Um, he, he said to take the under on his 3,500 passing yards. And I don't disagree with that tremendously. I don't know if he's going to, you know, be a 4,000 yard passer. 3,500. Um, that's well, so Adam, part of well, that you're, is, you're, he's baking in that he thinks Tyrod will win, will take over at some point. No, I, I don't know if it's just necessarily Tyrod. I think there's still the Jimmy Garoppolo rumor. You know, you're getting value, I think, on that just, you know, some, at yeah. some of the scenarios. I don't hate it. But, he's you know, what I was saying, Emery was doing the over under. I was basically just giving the fancy analysis. And 
I said, like, he's the type of guy that I like to take a shot on in a super flex or two QB league as my third guy because if he hits, because I do think he's going to run a little bit, um, right. if not maybe career high based on Brian Dable's offense, um, plus whatever he's able to do just in a better offense with a better offensive line, you know, hopefully some healthy weapons. I think he could surprise a lot of people. And so those are the type of guys like I have an enjoyment drafting, you know, right. I'm not going to really draft Tua or Trevor Lawrence or, you know, in some cases, Jameis, you know, I, you know, you can put Justin Fields in that category too, but even, you know, the, okay, let's see what, you know, maybe Geno Smith could do. Let's see what, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo could do if he ends up in, in the right spot. Let's see what, you know, Baker Mayfield does. You know, those guys yeah. aren't exactly going to be the greatest fantasy options, but they'll be fun to use every now and then in the right league. And Superflex and 2QB gives you that opportunity. So I like to, you know, get the most out of what the quarterback position is because it really just doesn't get as much use in a one quarterback league as it probably should. Yeah, it's the most important position in real football. So why in a one quarterback league, it feels very limited because like you said, you're not even considering drafting guys like Tua. They're on the waiver wire and not even, you can go even lower than that. Now, every single player at that position, the most important position in real football gets assigned an actual value from a fantasy standpoint. You have to evaluate what they're worth. So to yeah. me, that just. No, Superflex no is great. I was going to say that's my favorite format too. I, I think if I was recommending Superflex to someone who hasn't done it, I'd probably recommend a 10 team league. Yes. Because a 12-team super flex or two-quarterback league is tough if your quarterback gets injured. You're really in a lot of trouble. So, 12-team um, 2QB is rough. Yeah. I would say if you're doing 12-team, you should definitely do super flex over 2QB. Right. And if you're in a super flex league, you know you should treat it like a 2QB league. But yes. that if you're desperate for a flex, you could always just flex a... And you know what? Why then? Why don't we just make our twelve-team two QB league a super flex league? <laughs> like, I think I might. Yeah, you yeah. Should. By the way, real quick here, I'm not a Daniel Jones guy. I promise. If okay. he plays 17 games, he is definitely going over 3,500 yards. That is so low. Yeah, I, but I that's he part was of it. Pace. If he plays 17 games, right. yeah. he's injured yeah, every year of his career. He was on so pace like for 3750 last year. Elijah Mitchell's over under is like 900 yards rushing, and injured. so for me that was an easy under because I'm I'm banking on what we've seen history of yeah. the, the leading guy not staying healthy and, and not finishing the year, you know, back to back. Plus you have different bodies and a running quarterback. And so if Elijah Mitchell stays healthy, he's going to shatter that most likely. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. So a couple things to promote real quick. I think, you know, the first one I'm going to promote only a few days left, please vote for us on podcastawards.com, and I'll leave it at that. Uh, Fantasy Football Today, the video version, is coming to CBS, a CBS Sports HQ near you. Anyway, if you download the CBS Sports app on your Roku, on your Apple TV, on your whatever smart device you've got, you can watch CBS Sports HQ 24-7. This is a 24-7 sports streaming network that's not got the screaming head. I won't even say talking heads. The screaming heads that you see on the other networks that are just filling your brain with nonsense. This is really smart sports analysis and coverage. It's highlights. It's kind of old school. It's for real sports fans. Good gambling advice. Great fantasy advice. But fantasy football today will begin next Monday, right? Jamie? Next Monday, 12 o'clock Eastern. Honestly, the most screaming that you'll get is our show. <laughs> I mean, that, you it's know, a very fun show. Uh, the, the usual uh, me, Dave, and Heath yelling at each other. Um, it's going to be fun during the month of August because we have a lot of our guys, um, our NFL guys are at camps, you know, so um, Pete Prisco is going to be with the Bucks tomorrow. So, you know, forget about our show next week. Pete's going to be, you know, right, you know, boots on the ground with, uh, you know, everything that's happening there with Julio Jones and, and Chris Godwin. It'll be a lot of fun reporting there. 
Um, he was just in Jacksonville with Trevor Lawrence and Christian Kirk and uh, Travis Etienne. I'm surprised, Adam, you didn't reply to my, my tweet where uh, Etienne told Pete he's in the best shape of his life. <laughs> um, I didn't see that. Uh, and then uh, Josina Anderson and Brian McFadden were just out in Las Vegas with the Raiders, and they're the ones. You know, it's funny how NFL news has changed. Uh, they're the ones that got Devonte Adams to say the quote that's been making the rounds everywhere about yeah, yeah. who the Hall of Fame quarterback is. It was in an interview with with the two of them. So our guys do a fantastic job. Uh, you know, I'm sure Jonathan Jones will be out. You know, in, in some places. Um, I'm trying to think of our other NFL guys, uh, Danny Cannell, Brady Quinn. I'm sure they'll be doing stuff. You know, so we're gonna have every every for the most part every camp covered, and you know, a lot of that'll be on our show. Uh, again, Monday noon Eastern, CBS Sports HQ. News and notes. Leonard Fournette is back to 245 pounds. Are we back to being comfortable with him in the middle of the second round? For me, 100%. I think if you look at the workout video he posted too, like people are like, oh, it's still 245 pounds. He's a huge He's athlete. A big dude. He's a yeah. tall running back. Like he carries that weight a lot differently. In that workout video, he didn't look even close to out of shape. So to me, I, I was buying even, I was buying the dip. So, and I still like him a lot, but there is some. There is some concern now with all the weapons the Bucks have added, at least for me, that there's going to be a little bit less of a target share for him. Yeah, I, I think, you know, this was one of those stories like you want other people to buy it if you like the player. Yeah. And you like the situation. And for me, it, I never moved him. Yeah. Yeah, well, he was 260 pounds. You weren't going to move him anywhere. That's true. Well, let's say, you know, I held a donor or something. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Trey Lance, San Francisco is going with Trey Lance. <laughs> they are moving on to Trey Lance from Jimmy Garoppolo. And is that what you needed to hear, Jamie, to move him up in your rankings? You're not going to like this, but he's in my top 10. Love that. Ahead of, this is the one you're not going to like. I yeah. haven't had a Joe Burrow. Daniel Jones. Oh, yeah. I would. I think I'd take him. Well, I definitely I in, in four point. I don't know about Burrow. I don't think so. I think I'd stick with Burrow. I know you'd take Burrow. Look, most people are going to take Burrow. I Every it. year somebody makes the jump. Who's more likely to make that jump, uh, at least the quarterback position from that QB2 range? Who's more likely than, than Lance? In, in a six-point league, uh, Burrow. Is well, more who likely. Plays in six, how six-point passing leagues are pretty rare, though, Adam. <laughs> Not for us. Not on Not CBS. That's our standard. So, I mean, outside of that, I think ESPN standard is four. You know what? I'd love to take a little straw poll here. We have 98 viewers. I'd Let's love to take see. a straw poll here. What do you think? I, no, I'm just curious. I'm not. I think more people probably playing four than six overall. But on CBS, I would say it's more six. We than get four. we get you know the the mentions of our emails when a lot of people say it's a six point per passing touchdown league. Um, I, I I just think we get a lot people mention that. I think more so than they do the other way because I think it's more what Dan says. I think the the majority of the fantasy community plays in four points for passing. We uh, don't. Someone's CBS saying that Yahoo is six. Look at this. Look at, Yahoo is not six. Look at this straw poll. Six. <laughs> Yahoo six. is not six. It's just false information. Who's, who's in here? Like Satan? This is six, 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 six. Oh one, this, four, two, fours. This was a mistake to open it up to the no, public. No, honestly, tonight. I was curious. I, I, I really I don't know. But um, no, I think uh, there are very, very few quarterbacks who have been top five and six point per passing touchdown leagues without Adam almost gave out a social security number there <laughs> without 30 <laughs> what, touchdowns what was, what was that Azer stat without very what? few quarterbacks have been top six without or top five without uh, 30 touchdown passes so I don't think I don't see Lance getting to that um Gus Edwards is questionable for week one and you know not sure about Dobbins right now but they signed Corey Clement 
We'll see how this plays out. Clyde Edwards Hilaire is on the pup list. All right. <laughs> Hopefully you're not drafting today, but if you were, is it time to take Ronald Jones ahead of CEH? Well, Dan did take Clyde Edwards Hilaire ahead of. I took him like the eighth round, guys, and this was a full PPR league. I still believe in Clyde Edwards having a little bit of more of a role in the passing game than he has had close to uh, at any point in his career. Obviously, remember, he was a big pass catching specialist type at LSU. That was his calling card coming out. That's why Andy Reid said, I feel like I'm drafting Brian Westbrook all over again, which obviously is not going to be the case. He's a tick too slow for the NFL game as as far as overall. But we've heard and we've read about the Chiefs going back to some of the old Reid ways as they lose Tyreek Hill and try to adjust their offense. And that means more running back screens is a big part of their game. So I do think it's going to be still part of that, a uh, bigger part of that offense. And look, you're still getting a back in one of the best offenses in football where there's really, I know McKinnon is back in the mix, but as far as red zone goes, I still feel like it could be Clyde mixing in with Ronald there. I don't know. Around eight, I was okay with it. Yeah. Is but this another but who would you take? red flag? Yeah. With- I, you know, I, I'm, I share Dan's optimism to a certain extent that I'm, I'm still hopeful because, look, Ronald Jones has never taken advantage of his situation. You know, he had a good stretch of games, you know, when, when, when Leonard Fournette missed time, but really that's it in his career. Um, McKinnon took advantage of the situation last year, but we know what his history is. But it's the fact that he just, every time it feels like Clyde Edwards-Lair has an opening to do something, <laughs> something happens and this could just be the next thing that happens. And, and the reports are that's minor. So, you know, I wouldn't blow it out of proportion, but you know, for me, it's more about not necessarily Edward Tiller being the best chiefs running back. So I still draft him first. Now it's about comparing him to the guys that he's going around, you know, and, and it's at this point, what's better for your fantasy roster, a Tony Pollard who may have not as many touches, but could have as many catches if his role is, is there Kareem hunt, you know, we've seen what he's capable of doing. Chase Edmonds, you know, and the potential upside there, you know, those type of guys, you know, I, you may just have better value with, with those guys as opposed to the CH. All right. Listen, we're getting way too long in the show without getting into the formats. So Jamie, let's run through the notes. You just, <laughs> what? It was a busy day today. It was. Yeah. Uh, let's training camp, baby. Run through the notes and uh, you can give me just a quick thought on all these things. Sterling Shepard is on the pup list. Not surprising. Uh, good news though for, Tony, that he's not. Galladay, that he's not on the list, on the pop list, excuse me. And uh, maybe even Wanda Robinson. But yeah, Shepard's tough to draft. Debo Samuel and DK Metcalf reported to camp. They've got some contract issues going on there, but they reported to camp. Tennessee is happy with Traylon Burks' conditioning. So you've had Burks still ahead of Woods, right? Uh, yes. I, I'll lean toward the younger player here, the healthier player, um, and the guy with more upside. Marquise Brown is on the NFI list, the non-football injury list. He has a hamstring injury. What do you think about that? Not great, but nothing to panic about, you know. So, uh, again, you know, it depends on which camp you're in that Marquise Brown will be the best Cardinals receiver, regardless of DeAndre Hopkins returning, or if you're expecting just a six week window of Marquise Brown being, you know, very good and then falling back to earth a little bit. So, uh, depending on which side you are, this will, this will sway you a little bit. The Colts could re sign T.Y. Hilton. I don't think that would be a big needle mover for us. Nope. Chris Carson is retiring due to a lingering neck issue. He had a terrific career, and uh, sorry to see that, but Chris Carson is retiring. Joe Burrow is going to Kudos to the Seahawks, by the way, for giving him some money. You know, not necessarily just kicking him out the door. Uh, Joe Burrow is going to miss a little bit of time with an appendectomy. He'll have an appendectomy, and that sounds painful, but he'll be back soon. Bill Belichick says Mac Jones has shown tremendous improvement 
Uh, and Jameis Winston is going to participate in team drills when training camp begins. Jamie, who would you rather have, Mac Jones or Jameis Winston? Jameis Winston. Okay. How about Mac and Jones? Daniel Jones over Mac Jones. Ooh. Okay. 100%. All right, then. I won't keep asking about Mac Jones. <laughs> we'll take a break here. When we come back, we'll get into formats, try to read some emails as well at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. We'll be right back on Fantasy Football today. What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, let's talk about non-PPR versus half PPR versus full PPR. And also, if you want to participate in our Twitter poll, my Twitter poll, uh, do you play in six-point-per-passing touchdown leagues or four-point-per-passing touchdown leagues? So uh, I've got four options, six-point, four-point, both, and neither, because some people play in five-point leagues. Uh, right now, it's six-point at 43%, 44 four-point at 38%, both at 17%. Um, so corrected. We'll see. Well, we'll see. It's early. Um, and remember, these are going to be a lot of CBS users. So True. Okay. So I'm going to give you a format, and you tell me a basic strategy. Someone who's playing fantasy for the first or maybe the second time, you know, played a, you know, one or two years. You know, they need some help. They need some help. Dan Schneier. Hey, Dan, I recognize you from the show. You're that weird Giants fan. Uh, the other weird Giants fan. Uh, I'm playing in a non PPR league tonight. It's a draft. Sorry, it's a snake draft. What should I do? How should I approach my non PPR league? Yeah, in my mind, in non PPR leagues, it really just increases the importance of touchdowns. Personally, in my mind, at least, and so that means I'm targeting a lot of players on good teams that score a lot of touchdowns that are in the red zone a lot and often. And I'm also looking more into those spark play receivers, those guys who can hit those 50, 60, 70 yard touchdowns. Cause those can often be in these non PPR leagues. Those, those could often be the, some of the best weeks that you're going to get at a receiver. Cause a lot of those, you know, eight for 89s that you're, that you're getting from Keenan Allen with no touchdown are not really as impactful as the guy who then puts up the 60, 70 yard touchdown on one play. So that's my biggest change. I'm targeting players, 
who are on who are on really good high scoring teams in the red zone a lot and big play receivers. And I'm also prioritizing running back like I never do because personally I'm a very heavy wide receiver drafter. I'm a big believer in getting a lot of receivers, filling your flex with a receiver almost always. When I go to non PPR, it changes everything for me. I feel like it's almost a race to get the running backs, and I'm prioritizing them in a different way than I ever do. So those are probably be my three biggest changes. Would you take at least two running backs with your first three picks, at least three running backs with your first four picks, something like that? Is there a, a rule of thumb? So for me, no, because again, like I still want to make sure I'm targeting the right running backs. Cause even in non PPR, you can still get the wrong running backs. You can get the Mike Davises of last year who are projected to have this big role on a really bad team. Like Atlanta was last year going into last year and they end up doing nothing because yeah, they're going to, they're going to get you 45 rushing yards, but that's not really any kind of impacts. So you're still looking for breakouts like the Davises and those types who are going in that quote unquote RB dead zone, which I know you hate Adam. You talked about it today, how you're really out on the dead zone. You're going to have at some point. I want to hear some kind of grandstand. No, but I, I think what it is, is I, I think it's just becoming a little bit overblown as if there okay. are zero good players in the dead zone. But um, I think like in the draft that we did today, a three receiver PPR league, which is completely different than what we're talking about right now. non PPR Antonio Gibson went in round five or six, five, right? Late. Yeah, and so two other running backs went in that round. J.K. Dobbins, maybe? And I don't know. There were yeah. three running backs who were like, this is pretty good. I don't care if I'm quote-unquote in the <laughs> dead zone. I'm not passing this up. But all right, so yeah. I think you know you summed it up. Running back is obviously more important. Make sure you're drafting the right one. Anything to add on non-PPR, Jamie? No, I think uh, you know we had this conversation maybe during the draft um, for tight ends, you know, Guys like Pat Fryer with Dawson Knox, uh, similar to what Dan yeah. is saying, you know, you're looking for touchdowns a little bit more. So that changes things for comparatively to somebody, let's say, like a Cole Komet. Yeah. All right. I'll be a little bit of the outlier here, and I'll just say that there is zero chance I'm not walking out of my – there is a 2% chance. I'll say a 2% <laughs> chance I'm not walking out of a non-PPR 12-team draft with fewer than two running backs in my first three picks because I don't want to get in that dead zone. I don't want to rely on that. I want – the best running backs and um, the proven ones. I well, here, uh, just to go back to the mock draft, we did a non-PPR mock draft last week just to give you some examples of this. Um, I started running back, running back with McCaffrey and Fournette, uh, picking from the number two, three spot. Uh, Dan, you picked at the six spot. You went Cook and C.D. Lamb. So you, you And then round three, you took Cam like Akers. That, so yeah. You, you had two of your first three. Uh, Adam, you went Chubb and then Diggs and then Dobbins. So, again, you did, you followed that strategy I was that so strategy nervous well. right there. I was like, oh, my God. If I didn't take two running backs with my first three picks after the proclamation, I just made. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah, if I remember nervous. correctly, just as I'm looking at it, Will Brinson did not take a running back early. That's right. Oh, no, I'm sorry. He did. He went uh, Jamar Chase, Aaron Jones, and T. Higgins, Chris Godwin. So he right. only went one running back in his first four rounds. Uh, a lot of PPR, could, could a lot of PPR guys there, too. I, I couldn't do that, yeah. And I don't think that makes you an outlier, Adam, because I think that's pretty much what me and Jamie subscribe to. I don't. I, while I don't want to go three, four, five running backs in that dead zone, two of the first three picks I will in non-PPR, I want those to be running backs for right, sure. Right, okay, I'm okay. sure Jamie's on. Jamie, you, you, would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I think if I remember correctly, let me just look at it. Uh, I think I was probably planning on Fournette or Barkley because it went Fournette to me. Samuel 23rd and then Barkley 24th. So I was probably yep. taking either Fournette or Barkley, whoever was there. Um, I think it's, 
it's interesting to see, uh, if, if I remember just writing this, I think it was, I should go back and find the story. I'm sorry. Uh, I don't want to speak out of turn, but um, it, it, yeah, it, just looking at it, the, the first eight picks were, were all running backs in that draft. So there was, it went Taylor, Henry, McCaffrey, Eckler, Harris, Cook, Mixon, Chubb, and then it was Cup, Jefferson, Chase, Kelsey. Let's talk half PPR now. And maybe now I should give the the numbers that I sent to you guys before the show, which is really eye-opening stuff here. So, uh, I, By the way, I refuse to look at any more notes from you okay. unless you treat me like the Cardinals are treating Kyler Murray. So you pay me every time I look at the notes <laughs> that you can, and then I will look at all of them. Okay, but it's going to be in your contract. You have to look at the notes. Uh, fine. This, is, this is all way above Adam's pay grade. Paying Jamie is definitely way above my yeah, exactly. I, I you can't control what Jamie's getting paid. So here, I, what I did was I looked at the top 36 finishers in non-PPR, half PPR, and full PPR over the in each of the last three seasons. And I took out quarterbacks. So the top 36 running backs, wide receivers, and uh, and tight ends in the last three seasons in all Four formats. Points. What's that? Total points or points per game? Total po- I did total points, yeah. Um, and one thing that really stood out was in non-PPR, look at this transition. I mean, 2019 was just a bad year for wide receivers, but if you just look at the top 12 players, in 2019, 11 of 12 were running backs. In 2020, 8 of them. In 2021, 7 of them. So uh, that 2019 season is an outlier. But last year was a bad year for running backs, I'll point that out. But 2019 was terrible for wide receivers, so you can keep that in mind. But anyway... Looking at the top 36 players, and you're thinking, who should I take in the first three rounds? Well, here's how it breaks down. In non-PPR, there is a slight edge to running backs. Um, There have been 18, 19, or 20 running backs in the top 36 picks. Uh, In in each of the last three years, there have been 14 to 16 wide receivers and one to two tight ends. So not a surprise. Edge to running backs, 18 to 20 running backs, 14 to 16 wide receivers, and one or two tight ends. Half PPR, though, it starts to flip. That sort of slight edge at running back goes to wide receiver. In the last three years, there have been 19 or 20 wide receivers drafted or finishing in the top 36. There have been 14, 15, or 16 running backs, and there have been one to two tight ends in the top 36. So it's it's almost an exact flip of running backs versus wide receivers in non-PPR and half PPR. Full PPR was crazy. I knew it was going to be an edge to wide receivers, but... Not like this. Uh, in the last three seasons, there have been 14, 10, and 12 running backs. That's especially noteworthy in the last two years. Like I said, 2019 was a bad year for wide receivers, but only 10 and 12 running backs in the last two years have finished in the top 36 of overall players. 24 and 22 wide receivers. It's almost it's basically double the amount of wide receivers that have finished top 36 compared to running backs. And there have been two or three tight ends that have finished top 36 in full PPR uh, in each of the last three years. But the ga- I knew it would be pro-wide receiver when you looked at who finished in- as a top 36 player. But I didn't realize it would be twice as many wide receivers as running backs over the last two years. Uh, so that really jumped out at me. And I don't know if that's going to stick or what. But you are now armed with that info, folks. And you can do <laughs> whatever you want with it. So... Uh, how about half PPR versus full PPR? Jamie, what's the difference there? Half PPR versus full PPR? I think honestly it comes down to a player specific thing, you know, because like 
you know, Derrick Henry is a good example of this because, you know, he's not going to be a, a dominant pass catch. You know, maybe he gets to the 35 catch threshold like he was trending toward last year, 18 catches through his first eight games. You know, so if he if he continues on that type of pace, then clearly that boosts up his value. But you know what you're drafting with him, you're drafting for his touchdown potential. So, you know, when it comes down to the guys that sort of their their numbers get swayed by the the type of role that they have, you know, so James Cook pushed up in PPR, probably a little bit down in half PPR because, again, the catches aren't as impactful. Uh, Naheem Hines' catches aren't as, as impactful. Uh, Deontay Johnson, you know, necessarily versus like, like a Mike Williams. Um, clearly, the touchdown potential for Mike Williams is going to, you know, outperform that. So it, it comes down to, I think, how you build your team. You're, you're kind of, you know, start to finish, you know, and, and when you start to get into certain conversations. I typically will lean PPR when I'm, when I'm looking at that um, in terms of, you know, grading the player or how I'm, you know, looking to target players. But, you know, it, it kind of gets, you know, skewed a little bit depending on what part of the draft you are, what you need for your team, uh, and how you want to sort of, you know, construct your roster. Do you think you go into it not going to, you're not going to say, oh, I have to get two running backs with my first three picks like I did with half with non-PPR. Um, are you going to skew more toward running back early than you would in a full PPR league, or are you going to kind of draft like you would in a full PPR league? I tend to draft more like I would in full PPR, but, you know, I'm not going to pass up, you know, um, like Nick Chubb gets boosted up in half PPR than he does more so in full PPR. So, you know, if it's between uh, Nick Chubb and DeAndre Swift in half PPR, you know, I may lean more towards, you know, Chubb in that regard because, again, it, it's it's trying to project how many catches Swift will have versus, you know, what I expect the touchdown potential to be for Nick Chubb because I've seen it. Um, Aaron Jones versus Chubb, you know, those type of guys where in full PPR they're they're certainly better, at least have the higher ceiling because of what they're, their catch potential could be. So again, it's those type of things that come down to, you know, player specific, but I think just in terms of, you know, the start, I probably would look to go running back receiver as opposed to, you know, running back, running back. Okay. So Dan, what would you say about half PPR as you compare it to your full PPR strategies? So I do tend to agree with Jamie on this. It doesn't really change all that much for me when it's half versus the full PPR with the exception of those player specific examples, specifically at the running back position. I think that's really what Jamie nailed there. The, th- the guys like Aaron Jones versus the guys like Nick Chubb and those types of players. Now, having said that, just like in full PPR for me with half PPR, I am looking to go with my core tenant in fantasy, which is targets are everything chase the volume chase the target volume touchdowns are fickle year to year we can project great offenses year to year but then again there's injuries on the o-line some quarterbacks regress those things you can't trust but you can trust role and volume especially with some of these like big time rapport type situations with these quarterbacks receivers that just go back to it so i am looking at things like target share and valuing them highly and i am looking to just like i did today in our full ppr and our half ppr Start with a lot of receivers. I want four of my first six picks to be a combination of receivers and tight ends. It's a race for me. I know people say, well, look, receivers so deep, you can get so much talent later in the draft. I want those guys too. I want those. I want to get four, five, six receivers. My goal is to have the four most productive guys in my three receivers. Even in, even in half spot. PPR, you're going to be like even that? Even in half. Yes, I'm a hero. Mm-hmm. I'm a hero running back drafter in half PPR. I'm still looking to get the mm-hmm. one back. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to go zero RB, but I'm not looking to get more than the one back. I think that honestly, over the years, it's become easier to find 
serviceable and playable running backs for your RB2 spot than it is to get production out of those back-end receiver spots on your roster. Wide receiver three or flex, because in my mind, in those PPR versions of fantasy, you should be looking to fill the flex at all times with the receiver. And even just the guys like Cordero Patterson that you've been able to find, and there's more examples that you can that you look into over the years, you can find those guys who have some role in the passing game at the running back position and can get you a certain amount of points every week to be serviceable if you have that kind of high-end production from your receivers. Um, so ultimately, yeah. I, I am definitely looking to do that. It's it's a little unfortunate that you don't have Dave on the show yeah. because of the way that he typically drafts. And he lied to your face, Dave, <laughs> like I've never seen before. And you just accepted it during our mock draft when you said you prefer to come away from your draft with three receivers and a flex in no. PPR. That's not what I said. Would you rather have four receivers or three receivers? <laughs> I running asked, back? And he said, oh, I would much prefer to have four, four no, receivers. I asked, would you would you rather be weak at running back or weak at wide receiver? No, that was at the end. Oh. In the beginning, you asked, what do you prefer? Three receivers and a flex. Do you want four wide Or somebody asked that question. Do you want four wide receivers? And he told you like, he wants four wide receivers. That was the biggest lie he's ever told in his life. <laughs> biggest <laughs> lie Dave's ever told. You guys are blowing I've never, that I've never seen Dave start a draft like that. PP <sighs> could be two and, points and today, per reception. And he went and then, and then the draft unfolded. <laughs> and his flex is Elijah Mitchell. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, that was full PPR. I'm looking at a half PPR. T- I- no, but, but the reason I say Dave would be great for this counter argument, because I think most analysts and I hope most people are drafting and there's no no slight at Dave because Dave has a lot of success in the way he plays because he's very good at playing the waiver wire and making trades but he still drafts very heavy toward the running back position and I don't think format matters to him I don't think you know scoring matters to him it's the way he likes to build his team he believes and he's had again success doing this that he could find wide receivers late where I think most people are finding based on the position how the NFL treats the position is you could find running backs late. It's the way I like, I'll just go back to the team I built today. And again, it was PPR. So I came out of my first six rounds with four receivers and two running backs. And I really had planned to go, honestly, I don't want to say zero RB. I don't necessarily want to say hero RB, but I was planning to go receiver, receiver, and then just seeing how the draft fell from there. Uh, but when I saw Swift was still sitting there um, and and after the receivers fell off the board, you know, I didn't want to go Diggs and I don't think, I, it might be Diggs Adams. I don't think I wanted to do that. Um, but I, after getting my four receivers, which I planned to play three of them in a flex, I just started throwing a lot of stock at Ramondre Stevenson and Daryl Henderson. I did that because I had acres, but um, Chase Edmonds, and I'm trying to think other guys, just, you know, I, I had a lot of them, um, just with the upside of what they can be and, yeah. and what they could become, you know, in, in certain situations. To me, that's a much better build. And I think we found that in the PPR draft, and I think you'll find it in half PPR as well, probably not to the same extreme. But we were staring at, and, and you, you said this with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, you know, I don't know how many people will say great value on him, but I, I think it, he qualifies. In round eight through like 12, there were so many of these high upside type of guys versus the receivers that we were, you know, like, you know, Adam, I, I know you, you like the potential of Kadarius Tony, but you probably took him around too soon. Chris is drafting Jamison Williams. You know, uh, you know, there are just and, guys like and, t- and you're Tyler drafting Boyd. this. I resent this so much. You're drafting Daryl Henderson and Isaiah, not you specifically, Isaiah Spiller, Rashad White, sure. and, and sitting here telling me that it's, those are better picks than Kadarius Tony. Those guys might. No, be I don't know if they, I don't know useless. if they're. I don't know if they're better picks. I'm not. I'm not saying that. I'm, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying is like we were bumping up the value of of certain receivers 
comparatively to ADP and probably comparatively where, where they should go. Yeah. Because of how much stock was put into the receiver position earlier. Earlier, yeah. Which, yeah. which which I think is just better builds. So you draft draft your receivers earlier and get those running backs later. Now, I, here's what you're saying. But in half PPR, I want to stick to the topic at hand, right? Half PPR, like I just want to go through this draft that Dave did. I'm looking at our June half PPR draft. He had the third pick. He took Derrick Henry. In the second round, he took Saquon Barkley. In the third round, he took Javante Williams. And this was a league where we were starting three receivers in a flex. So he went three running backs with his first three picks. But then you can say he got DK Metcalf and Allen Robinson. Excellent. With his, yeah, right? So that's a good start right there. I mean, that's that's kind of you know backing it up. It's half PPR. He's go, he goes Henry, Barkley, Javante, and then... Who was there instead of DK Metcalf? Do you have it? Yeah. Uh, he could have taken McLaurin. And... Um, Let's see who else. He could have taken McLaurin or Deontay Johnson or Mike Williams. Okay, so swap out Metcalf, one of those two guys. I like yeah. it. Better. Okay, and then Allen Robinson. Yeah. Yep. But then my problem is round six. This is where I, I disagree with Dave is he took Devin Singletary, and I just yeah. think that's overkill in the half right. PPR format when he could have taken Alan Lazard or Christian Kirk or, you know, somebody he liked there. Totally. And then he took Dalton Schultz after that, which isn't a bad pick, but now you still don't have – a starting wide receiver. So I don't know. I mean, like, like I, I think Dave, unfortunately, I think he makes it out to be that he's he, uh, he, uh, higher on running backs than he actually is, or rather that he's lower on wide receivers than he actually is. Cause it's not like he doesn't draft I, wide receivers early. Um, I think with Dave, I think, but, with but I think Dave he and, went a little too heavy, one pick too heavy there at running back. I think with Dave, and this is what I respect a lot about his, the way he drafts, he believe he does a lot of work on film. Like he watches these college players when we do a ton of good profiles for CBS Sports. Shout out there. Check us out during draft season, fantasy profiles. But he watched a lot of film on these receivers. So he believes in his ability to pinpoint the late receivers and to find values that other people can't find. And he believes then in that position more than he can locate running backs. We've had this discussion multiple times. He feels a lot more comfortable evaluating receivers and running backs on film. And that's just part of his evaluation process. My whole thing is yeah. I think he can do that, but what was that? Yeah. No, it's just it doesn't – I don't want to speak for Dave, but that that just doesn't matter because when a running back gets injured, a guy you've right. never heard of has this amazing opportunity. When a wide receiver gets injured, it doesn't – it just doesn't work like that. So you're right. not going to find – the Amonra St. Browns are much less common than the Elijah Mitchells. Right. Right. So, all right, I just – I'm sorry. I want to move on. I know you're making a good point, but we're so behind. So let me ask you this. Forget about non-PPR. That's just like a different world. When it comes to half PPR or full PPR – what changes your strategy more? Going from half PPR to full PPR or vice versa or going from two receivers to three receivers or vice versa? The amount of receivers or the amount of PPR, basically. What changes your strategy more? The amount of receivers by far. 100%. Right, yeah. I figured we were going to say that. So we do a lot of three receiver plus a flex draft drafts. Uh, Jamie, if we were doing a two receiver plus a flex draft, I didn't see, actually we did that on a Tuesday afternoon a few weeks ago, and I didn't see that much change, really. Uh, but what would you tell somebody doing that format? Because I, I will say that I was in one format, one league like that last year. It was only two receivers and a flex, and I think I messed up and went... A, I, I think I did it a little bit too much like a like a three-receiver league and probably yeah. should have taken some a run, maybe one more running back early or something like that. But, Jamie, what would you tell someone in a two-receiver plus a flex league instead of a three-receiver plus a flex? I would still treat it like a three-receiver league, but it just changes the flex, you know, so... You know, I think you just come away knowing, okay, as opposed to drafting four receivers, you know, maybe in your first six picks or seven picks, you know, you probably just want to get three and then you start to maybe stockpile your running back depth 
or you look at quarterback and tight end maybe a little bit sooner. But, um, you know, and, and again, half PPR versus full PPR will change that as well. But I think it's still in your best interest, especially if it's full PPR, to start three receivers, you know, based on what those guys tend to do in the depth of the position. So, you know, and then you just start, again, taking a little bit more of the swing of, swing for the fences at, at the wide receiver spot. Uh, I just want to say re- real quick, just to tie, tie back into, uh, you know, what Dave's philosophy is, at least the way we perceive it to be. When he drafts with us and other people in the industry, I don't think it works as well. When he drafts in his home leagues, he crushes those leagues because of what Dan said. He finds those receivers where other, and it's not just, and we're not talking about finding guys. He targets the guys that we yes. are looking at in round eight, nine, and 10. He's getting those guys in round 12, 13, 14. You know, exactly. so that's where he has a lot of success in his leagues. Not to say again that he doesn't have success in our league. Yeah, he does. He does. Right. But it's just it's just different philosophy, I think, when you're drafting against other industry people that are pushing up wide receivers as much as we right, do. right. Um, but in any event, two receiver leagues with a flex, I think again, you, you treat it more like a three receiver league and you still sort of you know build that way. Uh one running back early, get value at the second running back spot if it presents itself. Uh, but obviously attack those wide receivers, and I think you have a better build that way. Yeah, and play a little bit. You can play a little bit of a math game and and think to yourself, quarterback is more valuable. I don't know if you do personally. Uh, when it gets to be a really deep league with a lot of positions, that's when I start to devalue tight end and mm. specifically. Um, but I guess I make the point more about tight end. The more positions you add, to me, the less important tight end gets. If we're at a three receiver league with a flex, I'm not there yet. If we did three receivers and two flexes, I'm going to devalue tight ends because they just don't score that many points. And, um, you know, not necessarily Kelsey or Andrews, but I think for me, probably everyone after that, uh, it's still an advantage, but you could start thinking about that. And then, like, the shallower leagues or even the non-PPR leagues where catches don't count, quarterbacks all of a sudden start making up a bigger percentage of your points. So I said shallower leagues. I I guess I meant smaller rosters. Um, Quarterbacks become a bigger chunk of your points. So you you could take that approach and say, hey, the more positions that I add, the more points that I add, quarterbacks become less valuable. Uh, I'm not sure exactly where I fall on that. It's, you know, I kind of go with the flow of the draft when it comes to quarterbacks. But uh, but anyway, uh, let's talk about super flex leagues real quick. This should be basically like a full episode or probably 20 minutes, but yeah. we'll, do it in, we'll do it in two minutes here just to give a quick overview. And we will definitely spend more time on Superflex throughout the coming weeks. Uh, Dan, what do you what do you like to do in Superflex and or 2QB? So, yeah, we, we need to do this justice on another episode for sure. One of the questions we always get or I always get from our listeners is, I'm doing Superflex for the first time. How do I approach quarterback? And that is the focus of your mindset in Superflex. Adam said it best at the beginning. Yes, you can flex a different position if you want, but don't get cute with it. I know a lot of people have tried it like, you know what? I'm just going to take one quarterback and I'm going to try to have the best possible flex ever. Look at these great running backs and receivers. Trust me, when you try it out, it will never play out as you like. So you do have to prioritize quarterbacks. And every league is different. That's the interesting thing about Superflex. You can look at the Scott Fishbowl where it's basically a race to the quarterbacks. You'll see 20 quarterbacks going in the first three rounds, maybe more. But there are some Superflex leagues where you will have quarterbacks drop into the fourth and fifth round like a Kirk Cousins type. And you could build your team a little bit differently. So it is very important to know your league mates and 
go based on your draft history and your league. Also, you can think about it. If you're transitioning over to a superflex super flex league with your home friends, well, take a look at how they've drafted quarterbacks historically. Are they prioritizing the quarterback position even when it was one QB? If so, then you're going to want to draft these guys earlier because they are gold. There is a limited supply of quarterbacks. Unlike every other position that you're drafting, this is the only one that runs out of assets. So you do need to get, for me, you need to get three. I am just like Jamie said, I'm looking to get two quarterbacks for sure that I like. And then I am looking to target a potential upside quarterback three, like a Daniel Jones. That's one example, but there are plenty. Jameis Winston too, if you want to go a little higher than that. But yes, quarterback three becomes an incredibly important position to me to the point where I will oftentimes draft it over my RB two. Yeah, but you could make Jameis or two or your QB two. They don't have to be your QB three. Is that, is that too deep for you? No, I think that's a great strategy. I think sometimes you these middle round these middle tier quarterbacks in like the in the QB let's say 14, there are really good quarterbacks here. Let's say QB 16 through 22 range are overvalued, so you're better off taking the high end quarterback and then for your QB 2 and 3, you make sure you get two starters. My whole thing is if you're going to go Jameis as your QB 2, which I'm fine with, make sure you get another quarterback that's starting for QB 3. Okay. Um Jamie, anything to add on Superflex? Did let me ask you this. Do you have an answer to this. It's okay if you don't. I want blank of my top blank quarterbacks. I want two of my top 15. Okay. Yeah, I think this is going to be a, a really interesting year because quarterback feels a little bit deeper so than, deep. it, than it was. Well, from a one QB league perspective, it feels a little bit deeper than it's been the last two years because we're hopeful for Lance and Fields and Lawrence and Tua that maybe we have, you know, maybe even Winston, 17, 18 guys who are really good instead of just 12. Even like and a Derek a, Carr, right? Like, oh, look yeah, at the weapons he has around him. He's QB6. How high can you rank him, right? He's 16. You're getting him 16th off the board. Mm, Cousins is going 16th. I think Carr is more like 13 or 14. But yes, it could. he could be 16 in your league, sure. Yeah, well then, yeah. Right. So, so yeah, I would say it's a little bit deeper. And, and maybe that changes things a little bit for you in Superflex. Um. All right, this is a tougher one. Four-point-per-passing-touchdown league versus six-point-per-passing-touchdown league. I have some comparisons here. Uh, Jalen Hurts versus Joe Burrow. In four-point-per-passing-touchdown leagues, Burrow scored six more points than Hurts. In six-point leagues, he scored 42 more. Ryan Tannehill versus Carson Wentz. They both scored 27 touchdowns, uh, but Tannehill had seven rushing, and Wentz had one rushing. And obviously, Wentz had six more passing touchdowns than Wentz, or than Tannehill. Um, they were separated by 12 points in four point per passing touchdown leagues, and they were basically tied in six point per passing touchdown leagues. Not a huge difference, but there's the six passing touchdowns, and it's worth 12 points. Um, how about this? Matthew Stafford, Matthew Stafford threw for 48, almost 4,900 yards, 41 touchdowns. He also ran for 43 yards and had no rushing touchdowns. He was QB 11 per game. QB 11 with 41 touchdowns and 4,900 <laughs> yards. He was QB 8 per game in six-point league, so it still does matter. Um, he was better than Jalen Hurts in six-point. He was worse than Jalen Hurts per game in four-point leagues. Uh, do things change a lot for you, Jamie, in four-point versus six-point leagues? 100%. I mean, you know, you look at these running quarterbacks, and, you know, I, I think the tough decisions for me come down to Herbert and Mahomes versus Lamar Jackson and Jalen Hurts and, you know, now maybe even Trey Lance. And I'm, I'm still going to lean toward Mahomes and Herbert, but it's certainly a tougher conversation. And by far you're taking, you know, Hurts and 
Lamar and and even Trey Lance for me over Brady, over Russell Wilson, over Dak Prescott, over uh, over Joe Burrow, you know, uh, Kyler Murray as well, you know, uh, taking him over over the, the non-rushing guys. You know, anytime you get these guys that are going to run, you know, they're, they're such a priority to target in, in four points for passing, four points per passing touchdown leagues uh, because of just the, the the difference that they give you with their legs. Schneier, anything to add there? No, I think Jamie nailed it. We we're all about the Konami code right now with these with these rushing quarterbacks. And I'm with Jamie on this. I'm very bullish on a player like Lance, but a player like Lance for Jamie who just moved into his top ten. I'd ask you this now, Jamie, in a six point passing league, where would you rank him? That's why I have him ranked. You know, he's he's in. You would still 10. have him in the top ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we rank based on. Yeah, you're baking it based is, on the six point. Yeah. Okay. All right. So where would you yeah. rank Lance in a four point? Uh he would probably question. be somewhere in the top six. You know, I I I oh. think what. What end up happening is, I think he would be seven because again, I still would take, I still would take Mahomes and Her- Herbert and Mahomes in that order over, over him because I think those guys will still do enough with their legs, but have, you know, five thousand and fifty touchdown potential. Um, but I, I mean, it's easy to take him over Brady over Russell Wilson, um, and probably I mean I probably haven't ranked over Kyler, but you know, same similar type of range. Who would you move down and up the most based on this format? I think that's probably what people would want to know who are playing in this, right? Yeah, again, I think it just comes down to, you know, if if you want to take the 1,100, 1,200-yard rushing potential of Lamar Jackson over mm-hmm. Herbert and Mahomes, you know. So the way I have it ranked right now is is Josh Allen's one. He would not change. Um, and it would be tough for me just to move Herbert and Mahomes from the two and the three spot. You know, I probably would keep Herbert at two and maybe move Lamar Jackson to three. Hertz would probably still stay at four. I put Mahomes at five, uh, and then maybe Lance at six, Kyler at seven. Yeah, I, Kyler I, you don't want to get too cute with it because last year, the top, you know, top six in per game scoring in four point leagues was Josh Allen, Tom Brady, Justin Herbert, Pat, uh, Kyler Murray, Patrick Mahomes, and Aaron Rodgers, and then Jalen Hurts was after that. Uh, so you know, look, you can still if you're a pocket passer who barely runs. Passing yards are actually kind of underrated in four-point-per-passing touchdown leagues. You look at a guy like Matt Ryan through the years where he was consistently one of the NFL leaders in passing yards. He didn't change all that much going from six-point to four-point leagues because he was still throwing for a ton more yards than you know the mobile quarterback, than basically everyone. So he well, still it's also had touchdowns, net. not just the yards. I, mean, I get that, but if you don't have any rushing touchdowns, then then you're hurt in that. But if you do right, have but a, you mentioned two guys there in Rodgers and Brady that don't run for touchdowns either. Right, exactly. But Brady threw for fifty three hundred yards, so you know. Right, and Rogers threw how many touchdowns? Thirty seven, um, and he ran for three touchdowns for what it's worth, which was, you know, Kyler at five in fourteen games. Uh, anyway, my my point is, you know, it's not it's not like those pocket passers totally stink in four point per passing touchdown leagues. You don't want to completely downgrade them. Like I I think ranking ranking Lance over Burrow even in four point would be kind of it would require me to have a, a backup quarterback if I had Lance. Well, I, I think a lot the more thing downside. about it is, and, and you know, this is what you you alluded to a little bit with the depth of the position, and I say this all the time. It's the easiest position to shoot for the stars, to to expect the ceiling for a player, because there are so many quality fallback options, you know, yeah. and and it's very easy to take a shot on Lance and come back and draft a Cousins or Carr. Uh, it's very easy to take a shot on Jalen Hurts. And get the same type of backup. And even if you want to go extend it to, you know, Lawrence or Tua or or Fields or or whatever, 
you know, they may not be collectively as good as Dak Prescott or Tom Brady if those guys do what what, what Brady if he does what he tends to do. You know, I, I'm down on Aaron Rodgers because of the receiving core change, uh, but clearly he still has the upside to be a league MVP again, especially dressing up like Nick Cage. Um, you know, so there there there's still a lot to like about those guys, but if you know, and, and this is a huge if, if Jalen Hurts or Trey Lance has the Lamar Jackson season where the the passing yards aren't huge, but the rushing numbers are incredible and the touchdowns are there. That's historical. Okay, so let me ask this. And you're what's, chasing history, which is something likely? you want to do, but, but that's kind of what you're looking at. What's more likely? Jalen Hurts or Trey Lance having the Lamar Jackson season or Tom Brady having the 2021 Tom Brady season again when he was again number Brady, two? Brady, right, sure. so... So you could chase Hurts and Lance that all you want, but you could just draft Brady, who was number two in fantasy last year, and regardless right. of format, you know. I, and and I, I I totally understand that, and I think the thing that you know which makes drafting quarterbacks fun is you want people in your league to be chasing that position. You want people to be yeah. aggressively targeting quarterbacks because there's going to be somebody that inevitably falls in your lap. For me, in the draft we did today, it was, I think it was round nine or ten or eight, eight, eight through ten, somewhere in there where Russell Wilson was just sitting there. And it was just yeah. so easy to say, okay, I don't love whatever's on the board. I have depth at running back and receiver. I'm fine with everything that I've, that I've done so far. Now I'm just going to plug in my quarterback. Typically, I'll wait another turn to, to do that, but uh, it was just easy to take Russell Wilson as opposed to, okay, now I'll wait out and see what you know what's happened with Cousins or Carr, which is the, the, the two quarterbacks that people that are really following our mock drafts see me take the, the most of. Mm-hmm. But I, I think you just play the board. You know, it's, it's an easy draft strategy. Um, if and and this is something even if you know your league, if you know your league is going to be aggressive with quarterbacks, okay, so it's not waiting until rounds eight through ten. It's okay, six or seven. You're taking, you know, your starter. Um, and if you know your league is going to take two quarterbacks early because they want to get quote unquote the best value on the board, um, you can still get a very good quarterback. But you know, you don't have to reach for that position ever. I, I think that's kind of a, a losing strategy at this point. Even if you do get. Uh, a historical season from Josh Allen or, or Herbert or Mahomes. You know, you're, you're, you're still going to get great quality production, hopefully, from five or six guys at that position because there's so much so much talent in the NFL at that spot. All right, listen, uh, one of the goals today was to talk salary cap drafts uh, drafts and fab. We did not do that. I apologize, uh, but we'll do that in a separate show. Uh, I'm going to read a few questions here. First of all, Michael Stewart has uh, two questions that are related. One, Adam, are you and Dan in the same house, just in different rooms? <laughs> and two, Adam, is that a Where's Waldo poster behind you? That's a good question. No, uh, this is how you know we're not in the same house. This is a Simpsons poster behind me. And Dan doesn't like the Simpsons. He's that one guy in America that doesn't like the Simpsons. So uh, I never said I don't like the Simpsons. I don't love the Simpsons. Well, that's a shame. That's that's still not good enough. <laughs> and- um, we're actually all in the same house. Yeah, we're all, we're all, we have a big fantasy football house that we rent for five months. All right, here's our here's some emails from Jim. How does spending, assuming a two hundred dollar budget, change from ten to twelve to fourteen team leagues? Should you spend even more for high end players in smaller leagues? This is a salary cap question. One hundred percent, your spending should go up when the league with the, if you're playing in a smaller league, eight, ten, and. Now, having said that, there are still people I've played in a lot of these 14-team leagues that will go studs and duds strategy and spend high-end, but the overall price should be higher for the players if the league's smaller. Okay, next question is from Stan. 
Hey, Jerry, Terry, Larry, and Gary. <laughs> no idea. Jerry, Terry, Larry. Uh, oh, all names for Jer- uh, for Gary on Parks and Rec or Jerry or whoever. Oh, actual name yeah. Is. <laughs> Good call. <laughs> nice. How often does a guy who, quote unquote, breaks out during the fantasy and real playoffs or just late season maintain that breakout the following year? Anecdotally, I feel like I always draft those guys, Sony Michelle, Brandon Ayuk, and they don't work out. Basically, just looking for any data on those guys that have one or two good months at the end of the year and actually maintaining their trajectory. I, I actually replied to this email. I could say two that came to mind in the positive side were Jonathan Taylor and DeAndre Swift. Mm. So those guys had six-game stretches late in the year, and they certainly carried it over in their second seasons. Um, we never Akers got- could have been that guy if he didn't get hurt. Amon Ross and Brown will be a really interesting case because you could still get him pretty late right now. Akers, Dobbins could have been those guys, hopefully, yep. but we don't know. Um, Tyler Higby is the biggest bust oh, example, Higby, but we yeah. weren't really drafting him to be great. No, you're still yeah, right. I know somebody who was. <laughs> yeah, but the, the industry was, he was a mid-round pick. Yeah, he was still late. Miles Sanders is one that pisses me off because the last six oh, games yeah. of his rookie season were spectacular when Jordan oh, Howard yeah. got hurt. I think he was a top eight running back. And for whatever reason, injury, role, he just has not been able to replicate it. I was staring at him versus Clyde Edwards-Hilaire today at round eight, full PPR, and I couldn't get myself to take Miles Sanders. I just couldn't do it. I was happier to get Gainwell like six rounds later. <laughs> Anyone else come to mind? It might. Maybe it's better for running backs and wide receivers. I don't know. Amon Ross St. Brown will be an interesting one. I, I mean, Gabriel that. Davis. Gabriel Davis, another great I one. don't even that count be- that because he had one good game. Right, it was playoffs. Where, you know, well, no, I mean, he had a, a a few touchdowns at the end of the season, too. Devin Singletary will be a good one, but we already know they've drafted a guy that's going to take him off the field. But Devin Singletary was the number, was the top five running. Oh, Rashad Penny's going to be another one. Oh, yeah. But these guys, their situations have gotten worse. Change. Yeah, both, both, both got great running backs drafted around them. I buy it that more was- when it's a rookie who we, you know, like a rookie second round pick running back who does it. I buy it a lot more than, uh, than some other situations. Bigger, bigger lie today. Dave about <laughs> receivers taking a fourth receiver to be his flex or Dan continuing to say that he took Clyde Edwards Alaire in round eight when it was round seven. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was round eight. Damn. And I mean, that makes it even worse, Jamie, because I had like a earlyish pick in round seven, didn't I? Yes. <laughs> Uh, this is from Bennett in San Diego. Do you think I should keep Javante Williams in round five or Jalen Waddle in round eight? Half PPR. Javante for me. Javante. Easy. All right. Thank you for this marathon show on this Tuesday night. Thank you all for watching and listening. And we will talk to you tomorrow on Fantasy Football Today. And that's, uh, that's it. Let's get in the show. I don't know what, like, what am I hesitating on. I'm going to hit the end button now. See you later, everybody. <laughs>